Good morning. My name is Pastor William, and it's a blessing this morning to bring the word of God. Former President Ronald Reagan once had an aunt who took him to a cobbler for a new pair of shoes. I know the, youth, the, the young people here may not know what a cobbler is. <laughs> During those days, they didn't have sneak, sneaker stores, but they have shoes makers who made shoes manually. And they were called, I think they are still called cobblers. The cobbler asked young Reagan, what do you want, I mean, do you want square toes or round toes? Uh, unable to decide which he wanted, young Reagan did not answer. So the cobbler gave him a few days. Several days later, the cobbler saw Reagan on the street and asked him which kind of toes he wanted for his shoes. Reagan still could not decide. So the, cobbler, the shoemaker replied, well, come in a, few, a, couple of, come in a couple of days, your shoes will be ready. When the future president did so, he found one square toe and one round toe shoes. <laughs> this will teach you never to let people make decisions for you. The cobbler said to the indecisive customer, I learned right there and then, the breaking cell later, if you don't make your own decisions, someone else will. In our passage for today, for this morning, we are introduced to people who refuse to allow others to make decisions for them. They made tough and risky decisions themselves based on their faith in the Almighty God. So please turn with me to, in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And we are going to look at verses 23. 3 to 29 for the reading of God's holy word. Hebrews 11:23 to 29. And this is the powerful word of God. By faith when he was born was hidden for 3 months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, 
for he was looking for the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he so that, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea and, do, and as though they were, they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians who per, attempted it were drowned. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture, of your holy word. Lord, what will you, what will you have us to learn this morning? What truths you want to impact our hearts this morning for change? Please, oh God, here we are. Our hearts are open to the leading and instruction of the Holy Spirit. May he do so for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, three things we got up from this passage this morning. Uh, first, we see the courage of faith. The second thing, we see the commitment of faith. And lastly, we see the consequence of faith. The courage of faith, as we read in the text, Moses' parents risked their own lives and that of the child. What a courage. In Exodus 2, we read the story of Moses' birth in Egypt. In chapter 1, the book of Exodus Chapter 1 of the book of Exodus, it is recorded that the children of Israel multiplied. They multiplied and Pharaoh got afraid. He got afraid that the Israelites would one day join forces with the enemies of Egypt and overrun the land. So he passed an edict, a royal decree, that every son who was born be cast into the Nile River, and they allowed the girl, the girl children to live. It was during this time that Moses was born. And as we read in verse 23 of our text, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's order. What a courage. They chose to let the child live. When the child was born, they hid him for three months from the wicked pharaoh. And when they could no longer do so, can you imagine three months the baby on the bank of the rivers, every morning he lives, his, I mean, he, his sister um, Miriam will go and just stay there all day. 
washing over the baby. And for three months, they did die. But they could not do so any longer. It was no longer possible for them. Okay, staying at the night of the river because they were afraid. Yeah, for three months, and then something magically happened. The, the king's daughter came to the river, and she saw the basket, and Miriam ran. said, you want me to bring the basket? Uh, and they brought the basket, and uh, as the story goes, she fell in love with the baby. And um, that had the, the child was saved, she took him in. Um, similarly, we read in Matthew how Jesus was, um, was threatened at his birth as a baby. His parents ran, fled to Egypt for safety. We see that a similar thing uh, happened with Moses. Moses' parents acted in faith in preserving the child's life in the face of obvious danger and risk. Not only did, they, did the child deserve to live, but there was something compelling. There was a compelling reason why his parents went all out to preserve his life. They saw something special about this child. Something, something special in this, in this child. The text says, because he was a beautiful child, they had a natural affection for the child, but much more so, they saw something out of the ordinary about this child. Something out of the ordinary. Not just natural beauty, but something deeper. They saw that their child was destined for greatness. Destined for greatness. One commentator described the beauty of the child as not only natural, but as being favor, divinely favored by God. The beauty and the favor of God rested upon the child. Therefore, the parents were left with no other option but to let him live. They defied the king's edict. The king either directed that all Hebrew male children born should be killed, should be destroyed, or Moses' parents placed their faith in God over the fear of man. They placed their faith in God over the fear of man. They were not afraid of the wicked and cruel king order. They knew that God had promised deliverance to Israel and that if all the male children were killed, who would deliver the children of Israel? They knew it was a trick from the enemy to keep them in bondage. They had no doubt that this decree was against the laws of God and against nature and should not be obeyed. Here we see the courage of faith. Christians, what application does this hold for us? What application does the decision of faith 
of the parents of Moses hold for us. And this, I think, is the application. We must make decisions. We must make decisions of faith, even in the face of danger when it comes to protecting innocent children. We must make a decision of faith in God even when it, in the face of danger when it comes to protecting innocent children. Every child deserves to live. No one has the right to take away an innocent child's life. Not at all. Infanticide or abortion is never the will of God. Preserving the lives of born and unborn babies is the will of God. There can be no justification for killing an innocent child. Every child is beautiful. And every child is destined for some divine purpose. Christians must support laws that protect innocent children and challenge those laws and practices that are against children. Christians should vote for the right leaders. We should thank God for organizations such as the, as the Amion Pregnancy Center, helping teenage girls and other women to protect the care, protect and care for the unborn and newborn babies. Uh, Jack Maxinger, when he was here, he was up here every Sunday, uh, almost every other Sunday, advocating for the Amion Pregnancy Center. That center still exists. Every time they send baby bottles for us to put coins in and, and help support. But you can go beyond coins. You can write checks. We let us continue to support the center morally and financially. According to the God Marshall Institute report entitled Abortion in the United States, some 1.6 million abortions were performed in 2011. 1.6 million abortions in the United States alone. Uh, 2011, that's a long time ago. We don't know what the statistics are is now. But we must see abortion and killing of children in light of God's plan for each life. God has a plan for each child, born or unborn. Before I form you in the mother's womb, and before you, before you were born, I consecrated you, God told Jeremiah. Friends, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus gives life, and he gives it more abundantly. Christians must stand up for the causes of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Parents, let us never cease beholding the divine beauty in and favor on our children whether they are young or old. Let us pray that their divine destiny and purpose will be realized. 
Let us pronounce blessing on our children, no matter what station of life they are now. So we've seen the courage of faith of Moses' parents in preserving his life. Now let us look at the commitment of faith. The commitment of faith. And that is of Moses himself. By faith, Moses risked his life in his commitment to God's people. We can read that in verses uh, 24 to 29. By faith, when Moses had grown, o- grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, chosen rather to endure aid treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of, of Egypt, for he was looking for he was looking to a reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as those seem who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. Moses refused to be associated with, with royalty. I, ha- I had a glimpse of royalty quite recently when I went to London. <laughs> and when, when you reach to the Birmingham Palace, you, you see that royalty is, is, is a magnificent thing. People from all walk of life. Straining in line, just to come close to that building. And we took some pictures. One little girl who was there with her parents, it's King Charles coming to see us. Yes. <laughs> it's King Charles coming to see us, mommy. <laughs> and, and the mommy said, no, he's so busy. <laughs> but, but, but you can see the royal guys and changing their... Yes, yeah, yeah, I think they, they shift or so, and it, the regalia of their of their their attirement. It was it was it was a beautiful thing to, to see. So Moses was Moses was to be associated with this royalty in Egypt, but he refused. When he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. No doubt it was a big temptation not to want to be identified with the ruling family. There was, poss- there was a possibility for Moses to be heir to the throne of Egypt. Pharaoh's daughter was said to be his only child. And she herself was childless. Worldly speaking, Moses could have thought I have an opportunity to be the next king of Egypt. And in so becoming, I could help ease the burden of my fellow Israelites. But he refused that thought. He refused that temptation, such worldly thinking uh, and identity. Moses knew one and only one identity. He was an Israelite. He refused to be called his son of Pharaoh's daughter. What temptations are you going through now 
when it comes to associating with people in a higher echelon of society who want to be identified with the ruling class of Moses refused. He chose suffering rather than enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. He chose to suffer with God's people. He became, he overcame the temptation. The pleasure of a sin are always temporary, but the consequences are lasting and devastating. Drug and alcohol are examples of the devastating consequences of temporal pleasure. Uh, there was a guy called Egg Rosser. Uh, he was a coach for Southern Georgia University. And he was always concerned about his, his, his squad keeping clean lives, avoiding drugs and alcohol. He always play with them. Don't go near them. They will destroy you. And so he wanted a dramatic demonstration of his plea. So he got us some old country, country boys, and he chatted with them. And what they did, they, while the squad was in meeting, the old country boys came, and they rushed in, and tossed him, hissed him, rattlesnake snake among them. And they all ran. When the rider stays out swinging, other than scatter, had to scatter for their lives. And the old country boy got out of the rider snake and they went back. So when the squad came by, he said, You got a message. Cocaine and rider snake. And he said, you, you, you are apt to run for rider snake and cocaine but they all will destroy your life the same. They all will destroy your life the same. The sexful rattlesnake in the room, they all rain. When cooking comes into a room, you are not nearly up to leave as when the rattlesnake comes in, but they both kill you. The temporary pleasure of sin. Moses refused the passing pleasure of sin. The scripture tells us that he chose a treatment for Christ rather than the riches of Egypt. Uh, commenting on the verse, John MacArthur wrote, Moses suffered reproach for the sake of Christ in the same way that he identified with Messiah people in suffering. Anyone who suffers because of genuine faith in God and for the redemptive purpose of the gospel suffer for Christ. Amen. Moses chose suffering for God over the riches of Egypt. Some of you here may have attended Billy Graham Crusade. Um, there was a guy called George Beverly Shea. He always sang a song before Billy Graham preached. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his, I'd rather be his than the riches unto, than riches unto. 
I'd rather have Jesus than houses and lands. I'd rather, I'd rather be led by his niche, pierced hands than to be a king over a vast domain. Or be held in sin's dress sweet. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this war can afford. <clears throat> Are you making decisions for Christ over temptation to sin? Christian friend, I will wait what the world has to offer against the precious, preciousness and joy of being in the instrument of God's hands, in the in instrument of the Almighty God. Moses left everything behind in Egypt. He forsook Egypt and its power and pleasure. He endured all the danger and hardship as he had his eyes fixed on God. The eyes set on God. He knew God had a greater plan for his life. And therefore, he was not afraid of the wrath of Pharaoh. Moses endured. I seen him who was invisible, as Pastor Dave was mentioned in the message. We don't see him, but he, he, he wore this out every day. He promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And by the fact, we walk by faith, not by sight. He endured him that was invisible. Our God may be invisible to our physical eyes, but we know by faith that his powerful presence is with us. He promised never to leave us. So Moses forsake everything to pursue the plan God had for his life. So my question for all this morning, what are we afraid of losing for standing up for Jesus? What are we afraid of? We must forsake the past and pleasure of sin and totally set out, be a set apart for God and his purposes. Therefore, if you are being raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. Colossians 3, 1. Let us will the eternal spiritual benefit of serving God and the temporal riches of this world. Be sure you, that you are springer and indeed washing the blood of the land, Jesus Christ. Give your life to him today and receive eternal life. The courage of faith, the commitment of faith, and now the consequence of faith. By faith, Moses finally led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. All along, we have seen Moses' commitment to his calling by God to deliver God's people. 
and how he has exercised faith in God in the process. And here in verse 29, we see what appears to be the most crucial point in the process, the crossing of the Red Sea. When the deaf angel slew all the firstborn of the Egyptians, Pharaoh allowed the Israelites to leave the land, but later changed his mind. He sent his army to prevent them from leaving. Exodus 14, 19, 9 to 14. And they were there standing, and God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Moses said, my raw. And God said, stretch it on the sea. And three things happened. They passed on dry land as though They pass on dry land through the sea. Sea open. I pass on dry land from London to, to Paris. But it was a tunnel under the sea. <laughs> two hours two hours tunnel under the sea. But Moses rushed out of the sea, and they said the sea stood out like a wall, and the people passed on dry land. And when they saw, the Egyptians saw them passing on dry land, they followed them. But before they could reach them, they are all crushed, and the Egyptians drowned, all of them, in the chariots. Israel and Moses saw the miraculous power of God. Does the Lord save Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptian? And Israel saw the Egyptian dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptian, the people feared the Lord and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Amen. Our application for this section, our decisions of faith are always honored by God. Amen. He stand for God. He will see you through. He will see you through. He will honor you with victories. God will make a way of escape at the red sea of your life for those who trust him. So I don't know what you are going through now. What is the rest of your life? Lost your home, can't find a job, your marriage in disarray, bothered with an illness that just won't go away. Your children just won't just get their eyes together. I don't know what's the rarity of your life at this point in your life. It is some tough decisions to make. But make them anyhow trust in the Lord. Make them anyhow trust in the Lord. If you trust him, he will make a way through your rarity and you will walk on dry land. 
we must dedicate our lives, ourselves, to the causes of God, and he will see us through. So let me just conclude with some important truths for all of us this morning. This is the passage that God has given us. True faith always relies on God and his promises. And there are uh, sometimes where I look at over 60 promises of God in the Bible, over, and there are more than that. I was trying to claim each promise for each day. True faith always relies on God and his promises. It keeps God, it keeps, it always keeps God in view. Although he is unseen, the closer we are in fellowship with God, the stronger our faith will be. Faith is not static. It acts, always acts. It always looks beyond the present. It looks into the future. It expects, it hopes for better things. Always persists. It does not give up, even in the toughest of times. True faith always wins. It does not disappoint. Those who put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. But friends, the greatest faith you can exercise this morning is saving faith. Trusting Jesus Christ alone for salvation. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of everyone who places the faith, saving faith in him. He paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. He died and rose again to make us right with God. I invite you this morning to place your faith in him for eternal life. If you have not already done so. And guess what? No one else can make that decision for you. You have to make it for yourself. And please make it today. Don't be indecisive. Make it. Let's pray. Lord, please help us to exercise, to appropriate exercise, courageous faith, a faith that is committed to your work, and let us leave the result with you, and we know it will always be victory for us. In Jesus' name, amen.